This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. The mm-hmm. point is that you know the God who you are worshiping. And as you learn more, you worship more. As you learn about God trying, you worship God trying. So my goal was to have this resource for people that would give them a baseline of theology, but remind them at every juncture, the purpose of our theology mm-hmm. is to bend our knees, not puff our minds. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sort of help people ground their worship for those that say, I've never talked about theology. If you found yourself overwhelmed at the chatter and noise and vitriol in your online spaces and maybe in your actual places too, I want to invite you into this conversation about boundaries and about how our knowledge of God actually influences not only what we know about God, but our worship of Him. And if you're curious to know how does theology fit with things like boundaries and everyday living, listen in to my conversation with Amy Kate Gannett. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In each conversation, you'll get to hear my guests' wisdom, their laundry routine, and for this season, also their hustle habit. Let's find holy together. All right, friends, it's really exciting and fun to welcome Amy Kate Gannett. She is here and we're going to talk theology and hustle habits. It's going to be so much fun. So thank you for being with us, Amy. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. So I love how Amy uses her platform on Instagram. She actually like teaches and engages in theological questions instead of just airbrushed photos. So um, how did you kind of use that space as a way to teach theology, to talk theology instead of like this performative space? How'd that come about? Well, it's probably because I don't know how to airbrush photos mostly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hear you. Well, I I I am deep in my bones a person who loves the life of the mind. Like I love thoughtful conversation. I love dwelling on theological concepts, having gone to Bible school and gone to seminary. It's sort of the world that I lived in for a long time. And when Mm -hmm. I left seminary, I was actually really disappointed to find that a lot of my circles didn't enjoy it the same way that I did. (laughs) And now not everybody needs to, you know, in real life, enjoy these theological conversations, but I really wanted to find a place where I could connect with people who said, Hey, I love 
ongoing theological discovery. I love discussing these sorts of things. I want to talk about atonement theory and church history. And I want to talk about how union with Christ centers our soteriology. Like I really wanted to find that. And so online, Instagram in particular became a great place for that, a great outlet for it. And as the platform grew, I just became more and more convinced that we don't need, I think it's Ann Voskamp that says, that said something like, um, the world has enough women who know how to do their hair. They need women who know how to do hard and holy things. You know, Mm -hmm. that was passed around for a long time, but I'm just more convinced of the spirit of that than ever, that we just have enough airbrushed photos of (laughs) newborn babies and the tennis shoes that they wear. And, um, we have enough, we have enough people supporting other brands that I didn't need to do it. And so I decided I was not going to monetize my Instagram and I was just going to keep it the way it had been from the beginning. And so Mm. that's how, that's how it came about. And that's kind of what sustains it now. Mm. I love that too, because what you're saying is that there are particular boundaries or constraints for your work, um, online, you know, and how is that, what sort of boundaries do you have for yourself, maybe, um, on Instagram and how have you felt, you know, when you have like this online platform on one hand, and then you have your local church work on another hand, how have you felt that those have helped or hindered one another too? You know, I think a lot of us have, have multiple right aspects of our ministry and our lives and our writing work. And so how have you kind of juggled those two locations? Well, a lot of these boundaries are in process because there are certain things that I'm even coming upon now and saying, I want to create boundaries around this, but I need time to observe and learn and reflect. So now that we have a toddler, we mm-hmm. have a 16 month old and we did, I didn't before I didn't have a child before. And so putting her picture, her image or her yeah. video on yeah. the platform, all of a sudden is a new challenge for me to think through. So one of the permissions that my husband and I have given ourselves is that we are slow to make a decision because when we set a boundary, we want it to be the right boundary. Cause if it's mm-hmm. not the right boundary, it will not be kept mm-hmm. and good boundaries are going to um, propel us into health and they're going to propel us into fruitfulness and bad boundaries will actually keep and prevent fruitfulness mm-hmm. um, from coming. So One of the boundaries that I even have is that we're not rash about Mm -hmm. the limitations that we put on things, but we're Mm -hmm. slow to develop those things because that's the, that's the art of discernment, right? Mm -hmm. Discernment is not quick and flashy Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. not, I'm going to read one bloggers blog post on how they do or don't share their child's image online. It's actually um, not just adopting somebody else's method, but sitting in the presence of God, sitting with your Mm. spouse and discussing it. It's that slow process. So the first principle that I would say is that plan our lives is moving slowly with these things. I think that's that's so wise. Yeah. Keep going. (laughs) Well, the second boundary that has served us really well is there are certain things I just don't talk about online. Um, I'm big on talking about the local church, but I do not because I want everybody online to experience the joy of being in a local body. I am very passionate about a theology of the church. I think if we understood God's vision for the church and could capture his heart for the church, his people, so many of the words that fall off of our tongues regarding the church would all of a sudden hit us as so um, opposed to the heart of God. So mm-hmm. our complaints are griping our grumbling about people in our local congregations would all of a sudden sound to us 
so atrocious because we've gotten a vision of how God sees his people and the mm-hmm. affection for which, with which he holds them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm big on talking about the local church, mm-hmm. but I don't talk in an anecdotal way about my local church. I will share good things that happen in my body, right, right. in this body of believers, mm-hmm. but I do not use the women's stories who I'm walking you know, alongside Mm -hmm. them in, I don't Mm -hmm. use as anecdotally online because I never want somebody sitting with me in, you know, something of like a counseling type session, though. Usually it's very informal. Usually it looks like a play date, but we're talking about the things of marriage and we're talking about the things of sexual sin and sexual addiction. And we're talking about, you know, idols in our hearts and lives. We're talking about these things and that's not an illustration for my teaching that is entrusted to me as a stewardship. And, um, as the Lord calls me to walk with that woman through that, um, difficulty or through that process of healing or whatever it looks like, the stewardship looks like prayer and presence in her life. And it's not to be shared with other people online with or without a name. So that's another boundary that we've set. There are also just certain things I don't talk about online at this point. I don't talk about my position on women in ministry online because I am a woman in ministry and the people in my local church um, know exactly where I stand on the topic. They know exactly what my role is in the local body of believers. Several of us have had full conversations as they've considered joining our church plant where we unpack for them, Mm -hmm. you know, different passages and explain how we understand it. We are totally open about our position on women in ministry in our local church and online. It's not something that I share um, Mm -hmm. because I don't find the online conversation fruitful. And I don't know why this is where I get maybe a little defensive. I don't know why anybody needs to know. Right. 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 A lot of times when you start talking about theology, Mm -hmm. people want to know, are you a pastor or are you, do you propose that women should be pastors? I want to know about all of these things. And I just have found it so divisive online that I don't talk about it. Yeah. So those are some of the boundaries I've set in place for that online mm-hmm. space that have served mm-hmm. me. And I think, and pray and hope the local church really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful because I think what's happened often is our online spaces have in some ways really replaced the pain of our actual local communities, whether that's our neighborhoods or our churches. Um, because when you're in a place and you're in a local body, right, you have to like work with personalities and political views and slightly differing theological kind of emphases. And, you know, when we're in, we're forced into that local community, we have to actually work it out. We have to actually pray for the spirit, right? We have to, to help us to be kind and compassionate and long suffering instead of, you know, I get to kind of only affiliate myself with a certain tribe, right. On online. Right. There's no unfollow button in the local church. If I disagree with somebody online, I just unfollow them. And I just, that's my way of kicking them out of my online life in the local church. We do not have that permission by the Mm -hmm. spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And we do not have that authority in the church. We Mm -hmm. don't kick people out of the local church and out of our sphere of influence because we disagree with them. And that is the glory of God. Like Mm -hmm. God, when we, we all celebrate as Christians, the vision of revelation, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's every nation, tribe, tongue, um, gathered around the throne of God. We all celebrate that, but then in our local church, we yeah. want to be homogenous. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. want people who look like us, vote like us, think like us, dress like us. And that is just, we have to celebrate 
God's vision for his church here and now. I mean, if we believe that this is how God's Mm -hmm. kingdom is continuing to break into the world, good gracious, I need Mm -hmm. to bear with my brothers and sisters who see things differently than me. And I need to learn from them. I need Mm -hmm. to not just tolerate different views. I need to learn from their views and Mm -hmm. I need to nurture a friendship where differences exist. And so it's just, it gives God glory when his church is diverse. And I don't just mean ethnically or culturally diverse. I mean, diverse in thought, Mm -hmm. diverse in conviction, Um, It is, it gives God glory when we do this and we do this with all the one another's that he calls us to, you know, love one another, bear with one another, Mm -hmm. pray for one another, encourage one another, all of those things. It gives God glory when we do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. I, yeah, I see you, you in that space in really faithful ways. So so thank you. Your book, you have your first book coming out, which is really excited. A book all about theology called Fix Your Eyes. Tell us a little bit about that, where, you know, obviously you want to keep up these theological conversations. So a book feels like a great next step, but what are you hopeful for, for this book? And, and as your readers are, are realizing, yes, they too have ideas and thoughts about God. They are theologians. You open up your book talking about what's, you know, what's your hope for the, the reception of the book and the conversations it generates. Well, this book was really birthed out of my own desire to give to, I've wanted for a long time to be able to pass on a really basic systematic theology to people who say, I just want to dip my toes in the theological waters. I'm not going to pick up a 500, 700 page systematic theology. And there have been great books written over the last several years that I could hand people and say, this is a great glimpse of this. Like Jen Wilkin wrote her Mm -hmm. book, none like him. And I could say, this is a great look at God's incommunicable attributes. Um, There've been other books, um, liturgy of the ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. It's a great look at how theology touches our everyday lives, but I wanted yet some book that I could hand people that went through the core doctrines of the Christian faith, explained them how all of these verses, like take one topic, this is the nature of systematic theology, right? Take one theological topic or one doctrinal topic and address the majority of the places or the main places throughout the entire Old and New Testament where that topic arises. So when Mm -hmm. we talk about the spirit, we look at all the references to the spirit in the old Testament, all the references to spirit in the new Testament. And then we articulate it doctrinally. So we say, what does the Bible say about the spirit? What does the Bible say about God, the son? What does the Bible Mm -hmm. say about the Trinity or the church or final things um, or salvation? All of these things I wanted to sort of give people sort of a baseline introduction to these conversations. But as I started um, exploring this, what I felt like was a missing area in the book market, kind of like right. I, as yeah. a person in ministry, this is the book I wanted to hand to people. The thing I was so wary about when I was handing theological books to people, because my alternative, right. was like a, a bigger systematic, right. you know, right. 400, 700 pages, that, that sort of thing. I found myself always handing it to people with a caveat of don't let this become head knowledge that puffs you up in pride. Mm -hmm. That's not the point of theological study. If, if that is the end result, we've done it wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The point is that, you know, the God who you are worshiping. And as you learn more, you worship more, as you learn about God, trying you worship God triune. So my goal was to have this resource for people that would give them a baseline of theology, but remind them at every juncture the purpose of our theology Mm -hmm. is to bend our knees, not puff our minds. Mm. And so I wanted to sort of help people ground their worship for those that say, 
I've never talked about theology. Mm-hmm. Theology feels like a scary big word to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a worshiper of Christ. And yet I find that if I, if my worship isn't rooted in truth, I have to seek the next spiritual high. I have to seek after the next worship event or something like that to keep my spiritual interest peaked for mm-hmm. that person. I wanted to say, here's doctrinal grounding that's going to root your worship and give it sustaining power because the truth does not change. Mm-hmm. And for the person that said, I know all of this stuff and I love knowing stuff about who God is. Like I have a mind full of fun factoids about God's nature and yeah. attributes, um, but I don't know what to do with it. So that for the person, um, my husband and I, <laughs> well, it starts with me, so I can't really put this on him. I can't pin it on him, but I'll often joke with him. It's like the theologically constipated person. It's like, <laughs> I have all this information and it has nowhere to go. Right. For the person who doesn't know what to do with that, how to live it out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to explore with them how theology leads us to worship in every aspect. Mm-hmm. So not just, we learn big things about God and then we just worship a big God when we go to church on Sundays but we worship the God of the church. So we were just talking about the local church. Yeah. This is who God says the church is. And actually that doctrine finds its feet, not just on Sunday mornings, but every moment of our lives. And this is how we live out these truths that we claim to believe. So for the person who's just a worshiper, I wanted to give them doctrinal rootedness to that worship for the person who's just a theological thinker. I wanted to give them the outlet of worship. Mm -hmm. So it's really bridging these two areas Mm -hmm. of the church. Mm -hmm. That's really great. A lot of us fall into one or the other. Yeah. Which one do you fall into and what's been your definitely the theological thinker? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) I, I mean that you can see it in my educational bent having done the Bible school seminary. I mean, I lived in that world for so long, but when I graduated, I sort of found myself drifting between the two. So I'd go to these great women's worship nights and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I felt so close to the Lord. And then I felt myself simultaneously missing my days in the seminary classroom where I was learning about God and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I realized like, I can't just oscillate between the two. There has to be a connection. Mm-hmm. And so this book is the outcome of that, mm-hmm. that journey mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah, there's a way in which through the writing, it sounds like you've been able to kind of knit those two parts of yourself back together. That is true. It is true. Mm -hmm. Are you worn out by hurry and hustle, and yet you don't know what it looks like to find a better way? Well, Jasmine Holmes called my book, A Spacious Life, Balm for a Weary Soul. Tish Harrison Warren called it a needed tonic, and Jen Pollock-Michelle talks about it as rescuing us from the siren call of self-help. Join these women as they have experienced both their own limits and seen how my book, A Spacious Life, helps all of us to embrace the goodness of our God-given limits. Find out more at aspacious.life. That's aspacious.life. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, 
current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. So when you find yourself kind of siloed in one camp or the other, we can tend to kind of, instead of turning both to truth and experience and knitting them together to understand, okay, how do, how do we love and worship God and how do we love our neighbor? We can find ourselves turning to kind of alternate habits of hustle and hurry. For instance, it's something I talk a lot about in a spacious life. So one thing I, this season, it's really fun. I'm asking all of my guests what their hustle habit is. If you're just tuning in to this episode with Amy, our hustle habits are ways that we tend to kind of bypass our limits. Um, we can tend to do it through ignoring our limits, blaming other people or circumstances. We can tend to control our limits or we can tend to fall into shame um, when we hit a limit. So um, you can get that quiz for free at aspacious.life and there's a little roadmap to help you out of that, whatever kind of rut you find yourself in. Um, but Amy, what is your hustle habit? I am... Um, full throttle and ignorer yeah. of my limitations. So when I actually took the quiz, I asked my husband which one he thought I was. And of Ooh, course he yeah. guessed accurately. Our spouses <laughs> know us so they well. They do, yeah. Yeah, I'm an ignorer. And I actually talk about this in my initial chapter, mm-hmm. um, Worshiping the God Who Is mm-hmm. in Fix Your Eyes, where we explore God's incommunicable attributes. So the ways that God is unlike us. And so I actually share a little bit about how many times I've tried to pretend that I am eternal, that I am limitless. Mm -hmm. Um, But a reminder, we find it within our bones that we, God has given us ordained limits because he alone is all of these things. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I'm definitely ignore when it comes to my limits. Just just close my eyes and pretend I can keep on going. Right. (laughs) I understand. Yeah. That that I'm sure resonates with a lot of us. I, you know, one thing it's, it's just, it's an invitation, right. To, to see our limits then as like, as a gift, right. That we are, we are creatures and we are created. We are not the creator and then helps us to learn how to rest. And because we're limited that we have an unlimited mm-hmm. God and mm-hmm. also, you know, a God who came and chose limits for love. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God that he did too, because he gives us a model of what it looks like. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have no choice, Mm -hmm. um, but to experience these limitations because like you said, they're God given, but the thing that we can choose, like I choose often is to ignore them and, and play God in our own lives. But in the life of Christ, we actually see this, um, submissive posture to the Mm -hmm. limitations of humanity, you know, just in the nature of the incarnation, we actually see this really beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. what it can look like as humans, though not divine as Jesus was, but mm-hmm. what it can look like just to surrender ourselves to the limits of needing sleep and needing food and needing time and needing mm-hmm. relationships and needing time with God and needing time in prayer. We see that modeled so beautifully mm-hmm. in the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hence my book. 
<laughs> Hence your, yeah, book. Right. Hence your book. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a good reminder because you know, there's so much in us, right. Since the garden that wants to push past limits, you know, one thing I, I explored a little bit was the word transgression that we use for sin means to like go beyond, to go past. And it's like etymology. And so it's so fascinating to me that like one of the words w- w- that we use commonly for sin is actually all about limits that Adam and Eve, right. They transgressed. They went past the limit. They went beyond, um, God's good guardrails into then trying to be like God. And yeah, here we all are. (laughs) And we've been living in it ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What if your, which of your limits do you find hardest to embrace? Like your limits of time or body or calling or affection, attention. Limits of calling. I've actually never heard Mm. it put that way, but when you said it, that really, that sticks with me Mm. in a unique way. Um, I do have a really, um, diversity of callings in my life. So Mm -hmm. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a full-time church planter. I run a small business called tiny theologians. I make theology tools for kids. Um, and then I write and I speak. And so my Mm -hmm. week is chopped up into all these little bits, right? Where I am focusing on one calling at a time, but I am a person who loves ideation. I love newness. I love new projects. I love, uh, I just, I could just eat it up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I could have a job where I just give people ideas and I take the first two steps out of 20 on any given project, I would literally be living my best life. <laughs> um, I, For sure. Cause but, it's like, you get the middle of the book writing and you're like, this is not as fun as the idea. Nope. Yeah. It's not as fun. And you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to write the conclusion. I don't want to do the marketing. Yeah. I don't actually like, don't bother me with the coverage. I'm like, now I'm just done. Like right. my fuel has run out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I get that way with like tiny, a t- new tiny theologians idea. I'm like, oh, you know, what would be so fun and so cute. So then I create in a word document, the first half of the content. Yeah. And then I come back to it the next week and I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't fun. You know, I do ABC cards a lot. Like I've got the ABCs of God's attributes of the names of God of the, the ABCs of theology, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember one time working on the attribute cards and I got through like letter Q or something and had to, you know, stop for the day, came back to the next day and I was like, can I find a way to publish like A through Q? Like, is there any way to like, you know, make this work? as it is. But because I love that, I'm in a, a lot of the callings that are on my life mm-hmm. in this season in particularly are long-term callings. Mm-hmm. So we are out of the baby stage right now with our baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's into toddlerhood. So a lot of parenting isn't like, you know, at first it was like, let's sustain her life. Like soon right. she'll sleep through the night. Yep. Soon she'll be eating solid. Soon she'll be, you know, these sorts of landmarks of development. But now we're parenting a toddler and there's changes in her. Yes. But the parenting is long-term parenting, you know, we're talking, you know, how do you respond when I call you and, you know, how do we correct you when you're doing something dangerous and how do we um, engage you when you need to learn something new, you know, all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. We're asking long-term questions. My writing and speaking is long-term. I'm not launching, you know, 10 new books every year or 10 new Bible studies. I'm writing one book per several years, right? Right, Because I want it to be good content. Church planting, that is a Mm long-term calling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will go toe-to-toe with anybody who says it's not. There are a lot of church planters out there that will say, you know, it's kind of this like, flash in the pan and then you move on and plant another church. And I just 
I personally am not compelled by that model because mm-hmm. I do think it's a long, if you're going to plant a church, the goal is not to be a church plant forever. The goal right. is to yes. start a church. Eventually yeah. you're just shepherding a local church. Right. <laughs> yes. For the long haul. It grows so up just like your daughter. That's exactly <laughs> right. They grow up and all of a sudden you're not doing things like building a core team. All of a sudden you're doing things like training your long-term kids ministry director. You're mm-hmm. doing these long-term investments. Mm-hmm. in the local body. So all the things that God has called me to right now in this season are sort of at that endurance, that finishing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not finishing stage in the term that it'll be over soon, but like they're in the endurance portion right. they're yeah. not at the ideation stage, um, anymore. And so they, they can lose excitement for me. So yeah. my temptation with my limits is to see this like shiny new idea mm-hmm. over here, you know, yeah, <laughs> and think, for sure. maybe I'm also called to start this or right. to, launch a podcast or like to do this new, you know, new, whatever really mm-hmm, for me mm-hmm, it just has mm-hmm. to be new. It has to be a new idea <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to be excited about it. And that's just not mm-hmm. what God has called me to. So the sobering reminder that God, you know, part of our Christian faith is believing that God gets to ordain our limits. You explore right. this in a spacious life. God yeah. has the right to yeah. author and establish our limits. And that does mm-hmm. include our calling. And so mm-hmm. for me to say, I just want to do something new and maybe something kind of fun and exciting and different when it comes to the big areas of calling in my life, I really have to surrender that to the Lord because yeah. he is going to move me into a different season at some point. I'm, I guarantee it. He always mm-hmm. has, but in this season, respecting those boundaries that he has set for me and trusting that they're for my good, Mm -hmm. um, is Mm -hmm. a big part of my daily submission to the Lord. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, I, I write in the book, I wish, you know, someone had helped me earlier on, like pay attention to those limits that those limits are good. And to realize God will move you, you know, um, whether it's in location or place or calling or desires to see those as invitations and that I don't need to like rush ahead of God to like go create for myself this life. Or if I'm in a season for us, we have four kids. They're real close together. There was a lot of years of not sleeping and diapers and exhaustion and just feeling like I'm not living the life I should be living now. What am I doing with my education? (laughs) You know, and just, and to be able to, but maybe we, to trust God and perhaps maybe some of those things that we learn, we don't learn unless we go through it instead of that is exactly right. Yeah. Well, and some of the seasons that I felt were most wasted by God in the moment were right. being most wasted have been so formative. Yeah. When we first graduated from seminary, Austin and I moved from Boston where we went to seminary at Gordon-Conwell. Um, we moved up to Colorado and mm-hmm. we had sort of two part-time positions at a church plant. We thought we'll make that work. Colorado sounds fun. A church plant sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, so we moved out there and sort of as we were like on our way, like as we were hauling all of our possessions there and had, you know, we were looking for an apartment and stuff like that. They let us know that they lost the funding for the positions. And so we were like, what are we going to do? So we decided to stay. We felt called to it. We felt like we'll still be a part of this church plant, that sort of thing. Well, our ambition had always been to serve in the local church, to use the degrees that God Mm -hmm. had given us. And we felt like the best stewardship was then to work inside the church. Well, then for the next 
three and a half years for Austin and five and a half years for me, we worked outside the church. Mm -hmm. Um, There weren't churches hiring. Mm -hmm. There weren't um, ministry positions available that were compatible. So we sort of got to the point where I was like, a church can hire one of us, like one of us can find a job somewhere and the other one's going to have to work outside of Mm -hmm. the church just to pay the bills, you know, that sort of thing. And I can't tell you the number of times that I have thanked the Lord for that season of working outside the church because I worked as an administrative assistant, I worked as a project manager, I worked as a marketing director. And I think my post-seminary self didn't realize how much of ministry is administration. It Mm -hmm. is project management. Mm -hmm. The Lord has given me all these tools that I didn't Mm -hmm. learn in Mm -hmm. seminary to Mm -hmm. really bless our local church and make it happen. Um, ministry happened within the local context, but in the moment I felt like, Lord, my gifts are just being wasted. Instead, he was like, you have a weak muscle over here, Yeah, you know, like you've got to develop this and you've got to strengthen it. But, Mm. um, it's a good reminder. Yes. That the Lord just doesn't waste stuff Mm -hmm. like that in his Mm -hmm. economy. Yeah. There's like no fat that he's trimming in terms of time. Right. I know it's, it's, maddening and beautiful all at the same time. That's exactly right. <laughs> when you're in the middle of it, right. it's very yeah. maddening. Yeah. You're like, come on, God, hurry up. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Fast forward how- the, right. the DVD on this one. Right. Can right. Fast forward a little can bit. I get like that map view please of my life? So I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could we please? Right. So you could just show me what the threads look like on this side. That's right. <laughs> and tell me what I should be learning right now. Right. Cause I remember in the moment being like, Lord, I am working as an administrative assistant at a real estate company. I'm pretty sure I was making like a couple dollars an hour. And I just remember thinking, I have my master's of divinity. Like if the Lord were to show me what I'm supposed to be learning, I will learn it. But in the moment, I just thought, I don't want to learn about real estate. Like, is this what I'm here to learn? You know, but you just don't know in the moment. And so Mm -hmm. it's worth Mm -hmm. trusting the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, trusting Mm -hmm. that the Lord will redeem that season. Mm -hmm. It's where the rubber meets the road. Right. You know, he's you know, so much more concerned about our character, you know, than our competency. And I, yeah, I always want to learn like, okay, what's the next step? How is this season going to impact the next season? Um, my spiritual director was saying, you know, like you had, um, for us recently, as we've made a move from California to Colorado, and we kind of had this unintended sabbatical season, you know, just to, to trust and wait is so hard. And yet to see, you know, that season for us has really impacted the way that we're able to listen and a shepherd in our current ministry roles that we're in has been so tremendous. And so to trust in these, you know, in our current seasons that God will use it, that nothing is wasted is yes. a huge act of faith one. and waiting for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, as we conclude, Amy, I would love to hear your laundry routine. And so the reason I ask this question, if you're new to the podcast is one thing Kathleen Norris says in one of her lectures that she talks about how we actually, it's in the mundane, right? That we actually experience life with God. It's not, you know, in those like emotional highs necessarily that we, we can sustain a spiritual life. It's in, it's in our dishwashing. It's in our laundry, you know, that we can actually experience the, the presence of God as well. So I would love to hear your laundry routine. What does it look like for you these days? (laughs) Well, you picked my very least favorite chore. I know. I hate laundry. <laughs> I hate laundry and I hate unloading the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Like those are the my two least favorite. And I could pick others, but I married a man who really loves to clean, mm-hmm. like really loves to clean. So he does almost all of our, you know, vacuuming laundry. 
I'm trying to think of like dusting, like he does all that on a regular basis. I, I adore him. I mean, it, it really That's is. That's a beautiful gift. gift. <laughs> but usually what we do is on, on Friday, more Fridays are is like our Saturday in mm-hmm. ministry. We yep. take Fridays off. Um, and then we have Saturdays off and then Sunday's a work day. So yep. Friday's the first day of our weekend. And when we get up and we're, we're early risers. So like sleeping in for us is like 545, 6 AM, that sort of thing. Um, Cause we're up at five during the work week. So yep. we strip the bed and start our bedding right away. First thing, because on Friday mornings we, in general, we clean. So mm-hmm. we, we start the bedding right away, which actually feels super productive. You know, you put it in the wash yeah. and you put soap in and you hit a button and all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. wow, I'm washing my bedding. Like yeah. that just feels yeah. like, I feel like I've accomplished so much and the coffee, like, and all I did even... was push a button. I know. It's not so nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like six. Oh, five, you know, and I've been up for five minutes and we've already accomplished something. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we do bedding first thing. And then each, each of us wash our clothes separately because we've had instances where we shrink each other's clothes mm. because we're not very attentive to the way that we wash them. So mm-hmm. Austin is now much more careful. Like we'll do darks and lights and permanent press and regular and stuff like that. And so he does his first because he takes a you know a couple cycles through. Yeah. And then I throw everything and all of my daughter's clothes into one wash and I throw everything into the dryer. Yeah. And then it usually sits in my laundry basket until Sunday until I fold it. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> he my husband like lays all of his clothes. I mean like mm-hmm. it's it's all done by Friday at noon and Mine, mine's the straggler. Yeah. So that's okay. Though. I folded mine last night. We're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. I folded mine like Sunday night at like eight 15, <laughs> but well <laughs> but done it Friday morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Most of our stuff ends up, well, my husband does our laundry, but um, most of my children's stuff ends up just staying clean in the hamper, you know, from, from dirty in the hamper to clean in the hamper and doesn't always get to out. the folding, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to lie though. I am sort of craving. I mean, I love that my daughter's clothes are so tiny, mm-hmm. but good gracious, folding tiny clothes and hanging tiny clothes. Like I am sort of looking forward to the day when that you can give a seven-year-old a shirt and be like, fold this. Right. And it's an actual real t-shirt, like right. the baby socks, the number of baby socks around our house is astronomical because <laughs> they can keep breed. track of something that's like a <laughs> centimeter and a half big, yeah. you know? Sure. That's what our laundry room looks yeah. like. It looks like it's graffiti. It looks like it's confetti right. all over the floor, but it's just baby socks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well then they get big and stinky. So, you know, then you have, you have that problem, but, That's but true. at least we have you different didn't stink things. at this age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. kids are kind of smelly. It's okay. We were all kids. So yep. We can all embrace this, but different ages, mm-hmm. different sense that they <laughs> produce and put on their clothing for us to wash. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's been such a pleasure friends. I hope you will pick up a copy of Amy's book. It's out real soon called fix your eyes. And we're so grateful to have you and to have you sharing even, you know, on social media about the attributes of God and how we can both worship him and with our hearts, minds, souls, and all of it. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that really thoughtful and inspiring conversation with Amy Kate Gannett. Her book, Fix Your Eyes, is available wherever books are sold, and feel free to pick up a copy at the link in the show notes. It will do you good to bring together not only 
the study of God, but also the worship of God. This season, as our one small step, we are practicing pocket practices. And pocket practices are little three-by-five prayer and scripture and spiritual formation practices that go along with my book, A Spacious Life. You can find those as a download if you go to my website at aspacious.life. But here is a little sneak peek. One thing that Amy really brought to our attention is that often we have a disconnect between things we know about God and how we actually live our lives. And so for our pocket practice today, I would invite you to spend a few minutes and get low to the earth. Maybe right now you are sitting in your driveway or your front yard or your backyard. Maybe you're in your car listening right now and you are able to pull over and, you know, grab a leaf from a tree, but spend two minutes and get low to the earth. If you're able to sit in the dirt or on your driveway, pay close attention. Slow your breathing and ask God to meet you. If you're listening to the podcast and not able to do that right now, I'd encourage you to do it as soon as you're able. Spend two minutes, get low, pay attention to your body, watch the ants on your driveway, begin to pay close attention to your body as a created thing and to the creation around you. So often we live in our heads and this is a small two minute practice to reorient yourself to remembering your limits and creatureliness. I hope it is something that can feel grounding, literally, for you. Thanks for being here, friends. It is my honor to help welcome you into a spacious life this season. You can find all the details about my book, A Spacious Life, at aspacious.life. You can take your hustle habit quiz there. You can get a roadmap to move past your hustle habit. And you can, again, also get your pocket practices. Thanks for being here, friends. Big things matter, but so does the laundry. 